times pray that I wear your name, Jesus. I wear your name. I speak your name. His name is powerful. And we are who he says we are. Amen? Not who other people may say we are. And not sometimes who we look ourselves in the mirror and tell ourselves, because we're not always so nice to ourselves. But go to the word. Who do you say I am, God? You say I'm redeemed. You say I'm whole. You say I'm healed. Praise God. You say I have hope.
um, and what it all entails. Uh, and because I, I felt the Lord direct me in a different direction today. And uh, for those of you that are in church, you'll know what I mean by this, but I think I'm going to treat you a little. A little bit of teaching, a little bit of preaching, because I believe the Lord inspired me this week to dig some things out and uh, to the point where I had a headache by the time I got done digging. And uh, because it was way over my head with what I was dealing with. And, uh, but I, I felt led not to speak today on the concept of baptism, although it's going to play into that. But after I got done teaching on Monday night and I was driving home, the question just kind of popped through my mind. And, you know, thoughts come all the time, but then you have to decide which thought you're going to dwell on. Well, this is a thought that I started dwelling on a little bit. And that was simply this question. Why did God choose water? Why did God choose water? Why didn't he choose something else? You know, what, what was the purpose of water? Um... And so I want to share with you what I believe the Lord led me through and into in Scripture uh, as for the reason why we're doing water baptism. And baptism, by the very word, means that you get immersed or dipped or buried. Okay, so that's why we don't sprinkle. That's why here at Spirit of Grace Church, we go into the waters of baptism and we, we bury you spiritually in the name of Jesus Christ. So... Uh, why did God choose water? So I would like to read from Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 5. And uh, it's a kind of a weird passage to use to start this uh, message today. But because the beginning is starting about talking in chapter 8 about a high priest and things of that nature... Uh, but there's a principle in verse number five that I, I need to pull from or extract from this passage of scripture. Verse number five says, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. And uh, so my message title is, why did God choose water? But uh, I'm bouncing, or bouncing from this scripture that says these things serve as an example and a shadow of heavenly things. Uh, and Moses is admonished in the tabernacle to use a certain pattern that he was shown in creating the tabernacle because God does something for you and I. You and I would never be able to understand the things of God on our own. Because the Bible even says that his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. No man can know it. Okay. So what God has done throughout the history of time. He has used a mechanism. Which is called types and shadows if you will. He, he gives us a type. And then that type is an expression of something that happens in the spirit world. Okay. So the whole concept of baptism the Bible uses the type of Moses leading the, the children of Israel through the Red Sea, Noah coming through the ark. Those are types, according to scripture, of water baptism. It, it's, it, and water baptism it's, in itself is a type of burial and new birth. 
So it's a type for you and I to understand heavenly things on a natural level. So let me put it to you a little bit differently. A type is an expression in the natural revealing something in the spiritual. Okay? So I told you I was going to teach and treat a little bit. So that which is expressed in the natural is a reflection of that which is found in the spiritual. And so there's some things that are types and shadows that I, that I want us to, there's, there's three main ones that I want us to deal with today. And I'm going to go all the way back. You can follow on the screen. I gave a link to the scriptures, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going all the way back to Leviticus chapter 17, verse number 11. I'm going to read just the first statement there. Verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Now, how many have ever heard it stated, life is in the blood? Okay. But notice what the actual scripture says. The life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the natural is in the blood. I take all of your blood out of your body. You're no longer living. Because the life of the flesh, the life of the body, the life of the skin, the bones, the tissues, all of the organs, things of that, the life is found in the blood. Okay? The life of the flesh is in the blood. It's the reason why Jesus had to come in the New Testament and, and hang on a cross to shed his blood because his blood was perfect blood. His blood was powerful. His blood was pure. And so when he shed it, what he shed it for was to replace our natural blood with his blood. It's a spiritual expression. Now, do we take on the literal blood of Christ at this moment? No, because we're not standing at Golgotha. But in a spiritual typology, when we repent of our sins and go to our own cross... And we fall down before him and we, uh, we, we say we're sorry, we're turning, and we're converting from our old ways to our new ways. By typology, he is taking the blood, the blood that is the life of the flesh and he is purifying it with his own blood. Okay? And uh, that's why Jesus said it this way. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Was it a, a literal cross that he was telling us to carry? Are we walking around today with wood over our shoulder? That, it, it's a type that he's trying to get. Our cross is our journey that we bear in this world. And when the blood of the lamb is shed, the Bible in Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. When he shed his blood... His blood is taking care of purifying the type of our natural blood. <clears throat> when, Jesus, when God breathed into Adam and Adam became a living soul, there was two things that ignited in Adam. First of all was blood. And the life of the flesh is found in the blood. The blood takes care of all kinds of things within the body. I don't have time to go into all of those. If you ever want to study that, just click on it. In on Google, it'll, it'll tell you everything the blood does. The blood is, is extremely important. But the other thing that happened when the when God breathed into Adam and Adam became a living soul is that which was dust and dirt of the earth became 70% water. Our bodies are 70% water. 
Uh, it's the reason why you can go days and days without food, but if you go two or three days without water, you're going to be in trouble because your organs depend on it. In fact, I don't know if you've done the research. That I did the research last night. 90% of your brain is water. 90% is water. Now, let me ask you, the brain in the natural body is the organ that dictates to the rest of the body how it responds. There's something in, and you can't, it's so fast you can't even realize it, but my right hand or my left hand moving is, originates in the brain. The brain sends the message to the arms and the hands to do whatever it is. And in, within that brain, that is what we would call where the decision-making process is, is done. You know, let me put it to you in theological, biblical terms. Our brain, our mind, if you will, is the, the seat of our thoughts, our intentions, our emotions, our will. So 90% of that which we are is water. In fact, if you take water out of the natural body, you will dry up and your organs will shut down. How many have ever just kind of become dehydrated? How many like how that feels? What, what's happening? Here's what's happening. There is a release of the body, of uh, the blood that's, that incorporates within the body. It's not just because you haven't had a glass of water, but it's because the water that your body is created in has given off and has emitted from you, and you are now literally shriveling up your body. That's why dehydration is such an important thing in the medical field. There's three main reasons uh, or properties, if you will, that water and why they say that water is important to have a certain amount of water every day, because our bodies can only function by water. The liquid form of water transports the vital, uh, the vital nutrients from one place to another within an organism. Okay? Now, I know the blood does that too, but it's the water that takes it to all the places where the veins and the arteries are not. It's the water that, that allows those nutrients to come. Because it is a, a polar molecule, again, I told you I had a headache by the time I got done studying. Because water is considered a polar molecule, which simply means that everything at some degree will dissolve. The water of our body allows the nutrients that we partake in, the things that we partake, it breaks them down and it gets them to where they need to be. So if you don't have the water, you're not going to get the nutrients to where your body needs to operate and to function. And because all three states of water, liquid, ice, and steam, all happen naturally, it allows what is known as the water cycle to continually replenish not only our bodies, but the entire earth is replenished by water on a consistent basis. And so why have I said all of that? I said all of that because of this. Over here, you've got the blood that keeps the flesh alive. But there's something equally important to the flesh to keep it alive, and that is water. It's very, very important that we have water. Now watch this. Uh, you're going to bounce around with me on the screen a little bit to John chapter 4, verse 14. John chapter 4, verse 14. It's Jesus speaking here, and he says this. But whosoever drinketh of the water I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And then over in John chapter 7, 
verse 38 and verse 39. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this rivers of living water spake he of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And then flipping over to Revelation chapter 21 verse number 6. This is what's going to happen in glory. Revelation chapter 21 verse number 6. And he said unto me it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And then two more passages of scripture, 21, or Revelation 22, verse 1 and 7. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And then in verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come, let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. So, back to teaching mode just for a second. The flesh, life is in the blood. But life is also in water within our bodies. But Jesus is saying, I'm getting ready to do something in you that's a different kind of water. I'm going to attach to you a spiritual water. Remember the types of the blood, the type of the water. Now God is there. Jesus is saying, I'm going to put into you a river of life, water of life freely. That which is spirit. This may heat of the spirit. There is a transformation. We've got to have the spirit, but the spirit, according to scripture, is a typology of water. Okay? I, I know I'm building to something. Trust me. Even though this seems kind of to be maybe elementary. So you have blood here. I want you just to picture with me. This is us in the natural. We have blood and we have water. In the spiritual, we have water and we need to have something else Amen. to match. But blood has nothing to do with spirit. Blood is the life of the flesh. Water is life in the flesh. Water is Life in the spirit, something's missing over here. In order, and God does everything in order. If you don't think so, go outside and look and see how he's operated creation. He does everything in order. So what is the type in scripture that is over here that fulfills and balances out the transformation of man? The Bible calls it oil. He anointed you with oil above your fellows. First or Second Samuel sixteen, uh, he or First Samuel sixteen, he tells Samuel to anoint David, and he will be anointed unto the Lord. And the Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. All through Scripture, you see where the oil is the typology of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. So now you have on one end, you have the blood, which is the life of the flesh. And water, which is life in the flesh, water, which is life in the spirit, and oil, which is a typology of the spirit. Now, now, now hang on and, and, and take a journey with me. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? The Bible says 
there was a great chasm that came between God and man, deity and humanity. There was something to where deity will not dwell with humanity because humanity is filthy. Humanity is impure. Humanity is unrighteous. And deity is righteous and pure and holy. And, un and holiness cannot dwell with unholiness. Okay, do you get that? Let me just bring it to you to King James Version, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 19. To wit that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. Basically what that says is that the man that hung on a cross and was raised from a tomb and ascended up on high became a bridge to go across the chasm of humanity and deity so that because of Christ today, you and I can feel the presence of Almighty God in this house and we can worship him freely and in, in spirit and in truth because he has created a way. So why did God choose water? I'll tell you why God chose water. Because water is the bridge that gets us from deity to humanity. Because watch this. You take the man Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem. He had blood, which was the life in the flesh. He had water because he was a man. 70% of his body was water. 90% of his brain was water. I think it's 65% of your kidneys are water. There's a whole breakdown. Just look it up. He had springs of living water because he could not give it like we read in John if he did not have it. Let all those who thirst come to me and I will give them springs of living water. He had it to give. If he did not, wasn't, if he was going to give it, he had to have it. So he had to have it. And then notice this, that he has the oil of the Holy Spirit in him because the Bible says that he will pour out the Spirit like oil is poured out on an anointing of an individual. He poured out his Spirit. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that he said, this is the prophecy of Joel that's filled out. I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. So now you have a man by the name of Jesus that now fulfills all four aspects of blood, water, water, and oil, creating a way for you and I to go, uh, to go through him. Did he not say that I am the way, the truth, and the life? No man comes unto the Father but by me. The reason why we can come unto him, unto God, is because Jesus paid a price by having all four dynamics or all four properties resting in him so that you and I now have an opportunity to do the same. Now, that's pretty good. But, but there's something even better. How many have ever heard that oil and water do not mix? In fact, I read an interesting, this is just an aside, but I read an interesting study or an experiment that somebody poured into a, a vial, blood, water, and oil. And because blood is the most dense, it went to the bottom. Kind of explains us a little bit, doesn't it? 
our humanity always goes to the bottom. The next one up is water. Water is less dense than blood, or less dense than blood, but more dense than oil, and oil on top of the water. So just as an aside, notice what connects the blood to the oil. Let me go a little bit further. Now, as you can tell, I'm not a big salad eater. <laughs> Unless it has ranch dressing on it. <laughs> but my mother-in-law is different. She gets the gross salad dressing. <laughs> She'll watch this and understand. But she gets an oil vinaigrette kind of thing. And if you leave a bottle of that kind of dressing and don't do anything with it, what happens? The water settles to the bottom and the oil goes to the top until you shake it all up. That shaking up of those two ingredients is what scientists call emulsion. Again, I read last night. <laughs> I couldn't take a science class for nothing, but I read the internet. And... Uh, when you, shake, so when you take the, the vinaigrette out of the refrigerator, you need to shake it up because that's what mixes the oil and the water before you put it on your salad. Because dynamically, oil and water do not mix. So there is a paradox. Again, I believe that God did everything in order. From the time he started creation, there's not an accident. It's the reason why I believe that he is, we have barely scratched the surface of everything that God is about. And, and all of the science, we, 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 that's a big word in today's society, but science does not predate God. God built things and science has proven what God built. So there's something that happens that we don't understand because oil does not mix with water. The spirit cannot mix with flesh, and flesh is 70% water. It doesn't mix together. It's the reason why until you come into contact with him and he does something in you, let me tell you what he does. He makes an emotion for you and shakes you up so that the spirit and your flesh can now coexist together and he unites us and reconciles us to one another. So let me throw just a couple of other big words out for you that I had to look up. There's two words, hydrophilic and hydrophobic. Now, if you break that down, you can figure out what it means. Hydrophilic is it loves water. Hydrophobic means it avoids water. Okay, blood is hydrophilic because 90% of plasma is blood. There's 10% that's not. 90% is water. Oil is hydrophobic, it avoids water. That's why when you put it together, it separates. But scientists have come to the conclusion that you can actually mix oil and water. When I, when I mentioned the vinaigrette, 
okay? It, that's a temporary emulsion. You shake it up, but if you don't use it again for a couple of days or a couple of hours even, you go back into the refrigerator and you pull that out, the water's going to settle back and the oil's going to the top. But scientists, and this I'm coming from science, now, I'm not even coming from the word of the Lord, but scientists have done experiments that have allowed oil and water to mix and stay mixed by the addition of an element that has both hydrophilic and hydrophobic qualities. And they have put that in there and they have mixed it up and it has stayed mixed. It has not re-separated. So it was a connecting force from the oil to the water so that the oil and the water would mix together. Now could I just tell you that my next step in my research was simply this Google? Is blood hydrophilic and hydrophobic? And let me tell you what came up. Because there are movements today in the science world that are trying to do it on a medical basis so that we can have the better medicine out there. But what they have found is that since plasma is 90% water and 10% some other things, and I won't even get into those because I can't pronounce them, but I can understand plasma. Plasma was 10 90% water, so blood, red blood cells, is homophilic or hydrophilic. It, it is something that loves water. It's something that is drawn to it. It's something that's connected to it. But the other 10% of the, the blood plasma that's in our red blood cells, they are hydrophobic. It is a situation where the element of blood is the thing that can connect water and oil together and it does not separate again. Dare I say to you the reason why God chose water is because water is the one type that is both physical and spiritual. But he needed something to connect the physical and the spiritual together so it would not separate again. And so he shed his blood on Calvary so that his blood would be connected to the oil. And when it all got mixed together, there was a new creature in Christ. So what happens when you're baptized? All dear friends that are getting ready to get baptized, here's what's getting ready to happen to you. You are getting ready to be born of the water and of the spirit. Can I just tell you that baptism is your most important decision in life? Now, I need to make some statements, and I know we've got all kinds of guests. So I appreciate all churches that baptize. But can I just tell you that baptism in water is deeper than just an outward expression of an inward change. And water baptism is deeper and more profound than just being baptized into a membership role of a church. Some of you are going to get baptized today and you may or may never come back to our church. That's okay. We get that. My job isn't to get you to the church. My job is to get you to Jesus. Water baptism is going to get you to Jesus. What's going to happen when the waters of baptism begin to be stirred in just a few minutes and emulsion is getting ready to take place? between the blood of Christ and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, 
And the Bible says in John chapter 3, those, every man except a man be born of the water and of the spirit cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why can't it enter? Because there's a chasm and oil and water don't mix. But if you go through the waters of baptism and you are born of the water and you are born of the spirit because of the blood of Christ that is mixed into the whole concept of the death, burial and resurrection of our Lord. When that begins to take place, you are going to become a brand new creature in Christ. When you come out of the water, that oil of the spirit is going to be mixed with the water of the flesh. And you are going to become a brand new being in Christ. And here's the thing. The blood that keeps your flesh alive gets transformed and purified and made holy by the water and the spirit of God that is now blended together because you have taken on the blood of the Lamb. Think about it. Repentance. I said types, and I'll finish with this. The tabernacle has types in the tabernacle. The brazen altar, the laver of water, the holy of holies. Death, cleansing, spirit. When you go to the altar of repentance, there is death that takes place. Now, not physical death. I'm not asking you to go hang on a tree. But when you repent of your sins, you are killing the old nature that's in you. You are sacrificing the old nature that says, God, I'm done with this. I want to follow you. And the next type in the tabernacle is the labor of water. The labor of water is used to cleanse. It is used to make pure. It is made, used to make right so that you can enter into the Holy of Holies. You cannot go from the altar of sacrifice to the Holy of Holies because the Holy of Holies would consume you and kill you because oil and water don't mix. But if you stop at the waters of baptism, when you come out, you are a glorified creature to a certain extent. The Bible says it this way. When you are buried with him in baptism, that like as Christ was raised from the dead, even so we also should walk in newness of life. When you come up out of the waters of baptism, you are walking in a new life. That new life now has access to the Holy of Holies. You are getting ready to step into the presence of God like you've never imagined before. That's how powerful water baptism is. It's whosoever will. Whosoever will. Whosoever is thirsty, let them come unto me and drink. I'm going to pour into them springs, rivers of living water. Oil and blood and water mixed together, making a whole new creature in Christ. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Jesus, we have a group of people that are getting ready to be baptized. And I'm asking you, Lord, that through this message, that they would understand 
in some way, shape, or form what's getting ready to happen. That they're getting ready to be transformed from an old creature to a new creature. From a sin-stained creature to a creature that is white as new fallen snow. That has been washed and cleansed by the power of the blood of the Lamb. That has been cleansed by the word of the Lord. By taking on the name of Jesus, Lord, we are taking on all dynamics. That which is of the flesh and that which is of the spirit mixed together, becoming that which is of you. Lord, I pray, God, for a divine outpouring of your spirit in the next few minutes as we begin to put people into the waters of baptism and we declare them to be new creatures in you. Lord, flood their hearts, I pray. Flood their spirits, I pray. And let them be made brand new. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Here's what I'm going to ask you. 